This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, Episode 15. On BitcoinAverage.com, a millibit is trading once again at 43 cents per millibit coin. Okay, I said that. That means that a Bitcoin is $430 for each Bitcoin. Oh, I said that too. Well, anyway, that's the same as last week. Looks like Bitcoin is holding steady for a while, and I think that's probably a good sign as it kind of vacillates a little in the 400 regions. Mm, mm, mm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining us today as we podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love to talk about Bitcoins. And share what we learn with you. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thank you for listening. On today's show, Lidge and I feel very privileged to be speaking with Joseph Zatoli, one of the founding members of the SolarCoin Project. Lidge and I once again humble ourselves as students of technology as we listen to Mr. Zatoli talk about SolarCoin, solar energy, and the truly amazing things to come here in the dawn of the age of digital currencies. Hey, forget about to the moon for a minute, folks. I say to the sun! After that, we come back and also meet up with Alan Walker of CoinCPA.com for a look at the future of accounting. CoinCPA is a powerhouse tool that allows you to track your balances for dozens of currencies, online and offline wallets, exchanges, mining pools, and it even shows you the current U.S. dollar value for each. Managing your portfolio has never been easier. So stay right here for more Bitcoins and Gravy. And remember to call us on the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline with your comments or questions at 615-208-5198 or simply click on the hotline link from your mobile phone when you visit bitcoinsandgravy.com. Or you can email us at howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. That's howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. So today on the show, Lidge and I are very pleased to have Joseph Zatoli, one of the founding members of SolarCoin. Is that right, Joseph? Correct. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, Joseph. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. So Joseph, can you tell us how you first got involved in SolarCoin? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> sure, what, what is it? We have to step back a little bit. In 2011, uh, I co-authored a paper with Nick Gogarty, who's also the co-founder of SolarCoin, called DECO, an electricity-backed currency proposal. And DECO, D-E-K-O, stands for Delivered Kilowatt Hour. And what we were looking for there is other alternatives to currency beyond, let's say, gold or fiat-based currency, which is backed by debt. And what you're looking for is an aspect of something of value that is true and good. And what we mean by that, um, trueness truth by the scientific method. You can objectively uh, test it via physics. And goodness, you're looking at increasing the standard of living of humanity without harming the planet. And uh, a couple of things uh, fit that. You could base it on information, but information is it's a little harder to have all uh, aspects of information be completely objective. Or you could base it on energy. Uh, energy has standardization uh, based upon uh, proof of work namely the kilowatt hour, megawatt hour. Mm -hmm. And also you have a goodness aspect of increasing the standard of living. And we show in the paper, in the DECO paper, of the correlation between electricity or power usage and standard of living. And with renewable energy specifically, it, you know, it harms the planet less than non-renewable. Okay, so, so energy use and standard of living, that's the correlation is that um, if it's renewable energy, it's good for the earth? Or is there, a, is there some correlation wherein less energy used is a higher standard of living or vice versa? Well, it's looking at basically the advancement of societies. It's called the Human Development Index. And um, basically, you can see that uh, countries that are higher on the Human Development Index have a higher use of uh, energy, power usage. 
what we're looking to advance that in terms of renewable energy, because what's in that calculation at Human Development Index are non-renewables, such as coal, uh, natural gas, oil. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want, we're looking for the migration of incentivizing that over to renewable. And what is your background in uh, tech or your background in uh, energy? My undergraduate is in mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. I worked for a while as an engineer for an infrared technology company that heated glass systems. And then I got a master's in finance and risk management in the banking sector. And then I also have the chartered alternative investment analyst um, designation. And that's how I met Nick Gogarty via that organization in which we were looking at alternative currencies. That's my background in terms of basically work and education related. And then I started getting involved in not only currencies, but the digital currencies uh, in Bitcoin and namely the blockchain technology around 2012, 2013. It gave away in order to implement the solar coin vision. Because we've developed the definition of what SolarCoin, what we want it to be in terms of an electricity-backed currency, but the blockchain gives us the means now. So if you look at this simple analogy, think of an analogy of the different states of water, okay? Mm -hmm. As an ice form, you could compare that to gold. Gold is uh, solid. uh, It's objective. It's durable. But it it doesn't increase the standard of living of humanity. Gold has value because of the belief in it, okay? Uh, At the other end of the spectrum, you have steam. That's sort of analogy to debt-backed currencies. There's a risk of overissuance, that they can be devalued, and also the interest that is charged on them. What you're looking for is somewhere in between, the liquid state of water, in which that's the realm where life exists. And what you're looking for a balance is something that has truth aspect and also the goodness that I spoke about before. And that's where you're talking about flow. And, you know, life values flow in that sense uh, in terms of, you know, the liquid state. And a renewable energy uh, back currency fits that aspect of definition of truth and goodness. Again, the solar coin is um, standardized on one megawatt hour. You could talk to resources around the globe, which I have in Cyprus, Greece, and Australia. It's all standardized on one megawatt hour. They understand that. Okay. So that's the scientific method. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, they understand the renewable aspect of it, in which you can have both large and small installations of solar panels uh, receive solar coins. Okay. There is a standardization calculation in which resources can verify with a certain level of tolerance how much solar coins could be granted for a certain facility. Let me give you an example, okay? Okay. Let's say you have a 10 kilowatt uh, nameplate capacity, so an installation of photovoltaic panels. With a simple calculation, about 15%, you take the nameplate capacity, multiply, let's say, 15%, 24 hours a day, and the number of days, you can get a certain tolerance of how many solar coins should be granted. So for 10 kilowatts, 15% over a year, that's about 13 solar coins. So if someone would would ask for 300 solar coins with a 10 kilowatt nameplate capacity, you know, something is not right there. In addition, there is a calculator, an online calculator called PV Watts, um, put out by uh, the uh, Renewable Energy Lab, that makes that calculation a little bit more accurate in the sense that with each grant, we have a message, which in that contains the country of the generation facility, the zip code, the nameplate capacity, and the number of days uh, of the grant, okay, of the claim. So from there, someone independently can verify that. And we're working on automating that process such that the tolerance uh, is more accurate. So wait, are you suggesting that different regions will have a different amount of solar coin available to them? Well, uh, based on solar irradiation. So for example, let's say if you are in northern Canada versus, let's say, southern Florida or, you know, areas that are closer to the equator, the solar irradiation based upon latitudes uh, is different. Okay. Right. So for each, let's say, square meter or, or square foot, if you're closer to the equator, it has a higher solar radiation than if you're further north of the equator. So they would get more solar coin available because there's just simply more solar power generated or 
potential for generating. Correct. So yet another reason to live in the sunny, the sunshine belt. <laughs> well, yeah, true. The, the northern countries could, you know, buy solar coin. They could, you know, have services based upon accepting solar coin. Um, there's a couple of, you know, innovative programs we're working on. What we're really trying to do is grow the economy because the currency is only as valuable as the number of participants. We're looking to have easier tools, a simpler website, and, and wallets in order to facilitate the transfer of SolarCoin and grow the number of grants. Uh, that's both large and small installations. You can have a typical home, which is basically 10 kilowatt nameplate capacity or smaller, and then you have very large ones. You can have solar farms that are megawatt, even gigawatt nameplate capacity. Hmm. Another innovative program, which our community has suggested, is for solar panel manufacturers to accept a discount by accepting SolarCoin for a certain portion of the you know, financing of solar panels, which is interesting. You mentioned Nick Gogarty. Can you tell us a little bit about his background? Sure. Nick has a background in, in finance as well, but I think he uh, studied anthropology. He also has a book coming out called The Nature of Value, in which he looks at currency from a scientific perspective. Uh, it's by Columbia University Press. In addition, he has written, he has his own blog and he's written many uh, papers on currency theory. Okay. He is uh, both co-author of the Deco paper, which I spoke about before, and also the co-founder of SolarCoin. In addition, that paper, that Deco paper, was presented at the Tesla conference in Split, Croatia, July 2012. There was a conference in Split, Croatia, in which uh, they brought, I guess, world scholars to talk about energy-backed currency named after Nikola Tesla. I was hoping Uh, you were going to bring up (laughs) Tesla. I wanted to ask you about him. (laughs) We presented the paper there. A lot of people who've been working on um, energy-backed currencies, at least what we were able to basically conclude from that conference is the standardization based upon the kilowatt hour, the megawatt hour, because again, that is a proof of work based upon physics versus a proof of work from... Uh, let's say Bitcoin, which is solving, let's say, you know, the mathematical puzzles. It's a different mechanism as a proof of work. So a simple way to think about is we're replacing, let's say, the CPUs, GPUs in Bitcoin in order to uh, solve these mathematical puzzles with solar panels as the proof of work. Correct me if I'm wrong, but SolarCoin is going to start out relying on CPUs and GPUs in order to be mined initially. Is that correct? Yes, let me talk about that. So basically, the project details of SolarCoin, there are three pools of SolarCoin. There's $105 million dedicated to the traditional mining. The reason for that is you need a network in order to support SolarCoin. Second, there is a genesis pool of $500 million that is dedicated to charities, volunteers, and the operations of the SolarCoin Foundation for the next 40 years. And then finally, there's the large generator pool which I like to be called, they are pre-generated coins. In terms of cryptocurrencies, they're called pre-mined. But basically, they're in a secure location, and there's restrictions on their release based upon what I spoke about before, nameplate capacity, um, a very small amount is, is being automated such that at uh, any one point in time, there's only a small amount that can be granted out. There is a 5% restriction on the Genesis pool, what I spoke about before, the 500 million, mm-hmm. and that's to prevent any amount of, let's say, dumping of the coin. So basically, 5% of the overall issuance um, is only allowed in the Genesis pool. It's restricted. And right now, we only have about 17 million outstanding. Okay. So that, that's how that works. All right. Well, so let me jump back to something you said about regional restrictions again. Is this going to de-incentivize those who do live in the cold north and need to use most of that energy to stay warm? You know, for example, we already have an energy distribution in the world wherein the hot and sunny desert locations have had the largest supply of oil. And are they going to be replaced with the largest supply of solar energy? Yeah, that's a good question. From a physics perspective, obviously, they have a competitive advantage. However, uh, with innovations in Germany uh, and also greater efficiencies of solar panel, that the movement of countries north of the equator, uh, you can have a competitive environment. Obviously, if you're at the North Pole, that's you know a different story. But um, the northern countries can participate in solar coin via you know a, a marketplace, via purchase of the solar coin. 
uh, there could be aspects of granting as well from the Genesis pool in order to have some level of competition there. Uh, but the, the overall objective of SolarCoin is to incentivize solar electricity generation over the next 40 years. You mentioned some technology in Germany. I read an article a few years ago about the difference between the energy that's collected by photovoltaic cells and the radiation that's collected using some kind of technology that's not exactly the same as photovoltaic cells. Is that a factor in the solar coin equation? Yeah, yeah let me jump in and, and add more to that, John. I was watching with my daughter an episode of Cosmos just last night, I think it was. Okay. And they were talking about plants using photosynthesis mm -hmm. as the ultimate energy source of, uh, of solar energy coming in. Is SolarCoin going to be very focused on uh, sort of older and existing technology and collecting solar energy, or is it very open to all renewable sources of energy? Yes, yes. That's the most popular question we get in terms of frequently asked questions. Why just solar? Why not other renewables? So uh, there were a lot of questions. Uh, let me try to break that down uh, one at a time. If we look at the whole spectrum of renewables, you have, let's say, hydro, geothermal, biomass, wind, they are mostly larger installations, okay, industrial installations. And what we were trying to engineer is something that is equitable both for large and small installations. I think it's very unlikely someone's going to have a hydroelectric plant uh, in their backyard. Dang okay. it, I was going to work on that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, in addition, uh, the breakdown, solar is the, the largest, you know, source of renewable energy. And solar can be broken down into a couple of um, um, components. You have the photovoltaic, you have solar thermal, you have Stirling engines in which it is, let's say, a parabolic dish that focuses uh, solar um, light on a um, heat engine. And that's how it generates electricity. Oh, yeah. That was like the time we cooked chocolate chip cookies with tinfoil on the inside of a pizza box. Same principle. <laughs> yeah. the, what has to be done is you have to verify via third party the electricity generated. So some things that are currently out of scope, let's say, would be, you know, uh, heating your water for your house because it's based on the one megawatt standard. So there has to be a way of objectively proving and verifying that uh, one megawatt hour of solar electricity has been generated. It could be, again, via photovoltaic, uh, solar thermal. It could even be via these plants. If there's a solar inverter on there that objectively measures that solar electricity. Okay, so it's sort of, you know, agnostic to the approach, but as long as it's solar, that's what we're standardizing on because that's the, the objective to incentivize solar electricity. All sources of energy on this planet come from the sun anyway. You could have that argument. But again, going back to what I mentioned before about the verification of it, you want the community to have the capability to objectively verify these claims. It's a way of you know, self-auditing um, the granting aspect of it. And that is done by, again, the nameplate capacity, the location and the country and zip code and the number of days the claim of the grant is for. That's a little bit more challenging to do with hydro, with geothermal, biomass, and wind because you have these standard irradiation maps, these calculators that uh, exist uh, to provide a level of tolerance of trust, and that's why it's standardized on solar. Joseph, uh, I'd like to ask a question that some of our listeners with an investment mindset might be curious about. What sorts of things do you see happening to the price and value of SolarCoin down the road? For example, if it's tied directly to one megawatt of energy and it becomes easier and easier for people to create one megawatt of energy, does that mean SolarCoin is going to be an investment that's likely to increase in value, decrease in value? Do you have any thoughts on that sort of thing? You know, initially, SolarCoin, the incentive aspect is the delta between electricity generation from conventional methods, whether it's coal or natural gas versus uh, renewable. Mm -hmm. um, so what you have is that differential uh, that exists right now. It's more expensive to generate you know, electricity from solar means than, let's say, coal. That will reduce in time as the technology improves, as there's a greater proliferation. And it can be realized that solar coin would be standardized on how much a megawatt hour costs to generate versus the uh, delta between the two. It can get to that level, but initially, 
uh, it's the incentive aspect that we're after. Because right now, a very small portion of the world's electricity is generated from solar. And so this 40-year project is to incentivize that to get it to a level that is a good percentage of global uh, electricity production. I see. Are you finding in the community, in the solar community, a lot of agreement on some of these points that you're making? Yes, absolutely. And that's where a lot of the innovation is coming from, whether it's innovative ways of uh, incentivizing uh, solar electricity generation. As I mentioned before, that uh, having solar panel manufacturers accept a certain payment in SolarCoin, whether it's innovations on different methods of solar electricity. So you have basically institutions like the International Solar Energy Society in Germany and also the American Solar Energy Society. We're working with them as a means of basically getting the message out of the SolarCoin mission in order to incentivize global solar electricity generation. I see. You know, historically, it seems like the coal industry, natural gas, timber industry have done certain things to slow down certain technologies that would otherwise have uh, done really well. For instance, it's still illegal to grow hemp in the United States, which, of course, is ridiculous, right? But what roadblocks have you found from some of the other energy giants? Well, there hasn't been much to date. I think People understand that just with the passage of time, fossil fuel uh, generation will become depleted, okay, um, just because, you know, we'll, we'll run out of it. It may be some time, so you need bridge technology in order to get you there. In addition, you know, we have to combat climate change. You know, the issue here is not only CO2, it's heat, okay? When you add unnecessary heat to the environment via laws of thermodynamics, you have accelerated flow. And that manifests in terms of hurricanes, tornadoes, so forth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as we start increasing the temperature of the planet, you will start seeing more volatile weather. A good analogy would be, well, what if your body temperature was only two degrees more? Is that a big deal? I don't think you would be able to operate efficiently. Right. Because, you know, a lot of your biochemistry is determined upon having a equilibrium temperature. So you have to combat it with methodology that you're in harmony with the energy source that is sustaining your life, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's solar. Well, yeah, you know, John brings that up often here in the studio, you know, as far as doing the radio show, getting the AC turned back on. Yeah, that's a great analogy. If you think about that, right? If yeah. you just look at it from a fossil fuel perspective, mm -hmm. planet's heating up and you need to cool down your house. Well, you turn up the air conditioner. Okay, by turning up the air conditioner, you need more electricity, you have to burn more coal that heats up the environment more, and you have this positive feedback loop, right? Right. And, and what has been shown is that countries that use solar electricity as a method of cooling, you sort of basically mitigate those spikes in electricity demand when it's hot weather, because the source you're using to cool your house is the same source you're using to generate the electricity. You know, I still, I worry that we still have politicians that are debating whether or not global warming is real. Do you think there's any political movement that's standing in the way of solar? So basically what I can tell you what is true is uh, based upon the second law of thermodynamics. And that is in layman's terms, uh, heat flows from hot to cold. Okay. Mm -hmm. And from that principle, what you can state is that as we heat up the planet more, we are accelerating that flow of hot to cold. Okay. Mm. And from there, that manifests in cooling mechanisms of hurricanes and tornadoes, things like that. So one could debate whether it's man-made or natural, but our man-made uh, energy production is uh, adding additional heat to the environment. And that additional heat is accelerating the flow of, of heat from hot to cold. So that's really not subject to debate, that, that portion, the acceleration aspect. Um, but you will have, uh, I guess, pushback, um, doubt, you know, whether we need renewable energy. Um, I think with the passage of time, as you get more volatile weather, people become more convinced that uh, something needs to be done. Sure, absolutely. Or, or, for example, as energy is provided by solar panels and people find they have to breathe less exhaust, you know, from combustion engines and that sort of thing, or, or coal fumes, or the quality of living may just simply go up. Sure, electric cars, are, you know, would be a great incentive for it as well. 
Yeah, go sit next to an entire traffic jam of electric cars waiting at a stoplight and listen to see what you hear versus doing the same thing with gas engine cars. Right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the solar coin, the currency. I think we learned earlier that the smallest level of, of solar coin might be referred to as the photon. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's the equivalent of a Satoshi. I must give a lot of credit to the community of all the innovation they're coming up with uh, for solar coin. The equivalent of Satoshi for Bitcoin, uh, they want to call it the photon. Okay, that's great. And, and we tried to ask last time, but now we have a real expert on the line. Is it a particle or is it a wave? That's what we want to know. We, we still don't know yet. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery of physics. And then so, so how big is the neutrino going to be? Not sure yet. We'll just keep it at the photon level. One other area of innovation, I will say, is the community has decided that the, the section symbol, it looks like a double S, it's used in legal papers, is going to be the symbol of solar coin. So instead of, let's say, the, the equivalent of the dollar sign, uh -huh. the section symbol, which you can uh, look up, it's sort of a double S, looks like an S with a circle in the middle, okay. uh, will be the symbol for uh, solar coin. That's another uh, community innovation. I would just like to articulate that the Solar Coin Foundation, we are looking to grow the economy of participants in solar coin mission via number of grants we're sending out to solar generation facilities, um, having simpler ways of basically granting SolarCoin and also simplifying our website. It's a long-term mission, and we're in for the incredible journey. Yeah, you said, what, 40 years is the projected length of yeah. this? Yeah. Well, well that's I, cool. I, may, I may have to learn how SolarCoin does on the other side with you. I'll be standing <laughs> next to all of you guys <laughs> looking down from the sun. Or hey, you know, you'll be here, Lidge, don't worry. For our listeners who would like to invest in SolarCoins, can you tell them how they can get SolarCoins? Sure. There's two primary ways right now. You can go to exchanges. Uh, Allcrypt uh, is one of them. That is uh, an exchange that uh, you can exchange SolarCoin with Bitcoin. Okay. There are a few others you could find on our website. In addition, you could mine SolarCoin. But really, the incentive is what we want to promote is claiming SolarCoin via the generation of solar electricity. And that can be done via our website as well, solarcoin.org. Solarcoin.org. And how else can our listeners find you if they'd like to? Uh, we have a forum. We also have a Wikipedia. We are also on LinkedIn. And we're also on Facebook. All right. Well, hey, Joseph, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us, Joseph. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joseph. Cheers. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. So on today's Aw Heck segment, hotlines, emails, and comments, kids, we have a call in from Jason in West Virginia. Jason's got some pretty scary stuff to tell us about. Yeah, yeah. Sounds pretty bad. Don't know, Lidge. Well, let's listen in here. Okay. You going to start it? Who's pressing play? Hey, guys. This is Jason from Wild and Wonderful West by God, Virginia. And uh, one of my friends on Facebook last night, I saw a post she made. She lives in Florida. They have a boat manufacturing company. Someone had opened a bad attachment, got a virus on their servers, and it encrypted everything, called ransomware, and she said that they were demanding $1,000 worth of Bitcoin before they would uh, unscramble her files. I didn't know if anyone had heard of this before. It's the first I'd heard of it, but uh, I just want to throw that out there, see what you guys thought about it. Have a good one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, I heard about this last year, and but I've not heard of anybody that had gone through it. That's pretty insane, man. I hope it doesn't sink those guys down there. But seriously, <laughs> though, what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Can we say that? You're going to bleep part of that. I'll, yeah, I'll take care of that. But I mean, like, way to give Bitcoin a bad name. I mean, this sounds like some nefarious character out of a B-run Hollywood movie. Well, what I heard is that they'll encrypt your information on your computer, and then you'll have several options of how to pay them. And Bitcoin is one option. So, you know, if you're a doctor's office or if you have really important information that you can't lose, you don't have a choice. You've got to pay them. Or I believe there's a timer on on some of these after a certain period of time, 12 hours or 24 hours, it's encrypted eternally, right?
right? So you'd have to do that. Now, if it was me and someone was blackmailing me in that way, I'd probably buckle too because I've got a lot of, well, it's hard to say. I've got a lot of family photos and things that are really important to me, but I've also got it backed up. So is it is the backup encrypted too on my external hard drive? I would say Who no. Knows? Who knows? But li- yeah. listen, I will say this to our listeners. Let's make this a shout out, a call out to those of you who can develop the software to prevent this kind of nonsense and keep yeah. us safe. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one thing that I did read, and I don't know if this is true, but <laughs> someone had said, this is like a year ago again, that that had happened to them. I was reading this online, but the nice thing about it was that this company or this organization that was blackmailing them had actually offered a help section for the, they said, <laughs> for, how, for how to pay, wow. for how to pay and where to pay a help section. I thought that was nice. It's like white hat, black hat. Exactly. Insane, yeah. man. All right. Well, sorry to hear about that, Jason. And um, yeah, man. to your friend down in Florida, that's an awful story. And thanks for sending that in, though. Let's, uh, hopefully we'll have some emails or comments on the brighter side. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. So, John, what do we have on our SoundCloud comments? Okay, uh, we've got one from R11SE. Awesome song. I love it. You made my day with this song, Lidge. I think they're talking about your song, dude. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, R11SE. And uh, thank you for my daughter and and her sister as well. Uh, We had had a really fun time making it. And it's already raised, I think, $10 in Bitcoin within a day for Montessori School. People have already been sending in Bitcoin and making purchases on Satoshi Box is where we actually posted the song. Nice, man. So thank you. Thank you to all you listeners who have contributed. Um, your contributions are very well received and appreciated. And thank you, Lidge, to you and your daughter for writing Spring Spring is an amazing thing. It is an amazing song. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, John. I feel like I'm in good company with you and Ode to Satoshi. Who loves you, babe? What else do we have here, Lidge? Let's see. We've got another comment from Flyer Mo. Joe, cool name. You guys are too funny, exclamation point. Oh, and a Lidge, nice smiley face. Lidge, that is so true. We are so funny, you know, especially clearly, you. I was going to say, John, clearly she's talking about you or he's talking about you. We are so funny, Lidge, but looks aren't everything. Clearly, Flyer Mojo is talking about you. <laughs> okay, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, you are the best. Th- oh, no, wait. Um, <clears throat> this is from, uh, is it now, is it pronounced Adia Air, I think, maybe? Let's call it, I think. Oh, so here's one from Adia Air, and I think she's the belly dancer here in town. She says, the best things about Mondays two, oh no, the best things about Mondays, two broke girls and Bitcoins and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't really know what that means, but I, I, I'm suspecting that Two Broke Girls is another podcast that we need to go listen to. No, Two Broke Girls is a television show. And the only reason I know that is, well, actually, I don't even know how I know that because I don't have a television. Yeah, I don't know that. I, I don't even have any friends who have television. I don't have any friends. <laughs> but I do. There's that funny thing again, oh, man. You're killing shoot. me. <laughs> but no, Two Broke Girls is a television show. And so we're right up there in popularity with a television show. That's pretty cool, man. Well, and then Adia Air closes out with that's brilliant exclamation point, which I think she was I think she was just referring to, to in the middle of the first interview there with um yeah. with Jesse. I think she was referring to everything that I anything and everything that I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Let's uh thanks very much everybody for sending in your comments. Keep them coming. Uh, it, it really makes our day to be able to communicate back with everybody and know that people are getting value out of the show. Absolutely. Yeah, we love the SoundCloud comments. Keep them coming. <laughs> now, we received another email that was pretty exciting. You know, uh, I sort of felt like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny had potentially reached out to us and given us some kudos for the show. I agree. Have you, have you seen this one? Would you like to read it? Yeah, and this is much more exciting than Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, but I know what you mean. It's the same feeling. This one comes in from Satoshi Nakamoto, believe it or not. I'm not kidding you. It says Satoshi Nakamoto. It's his Yahoo address. Yeah, and he writes, or he, she, it, they writes, I'm proud of what you gentlemen have accomplished, period. <laughs> well done, well done. Well, we know one thing. That confirms one thing. What? Satoshi Nakamoto has a sense of pride. Absolutely. Um, we can also say for certainty that Satoshi Nakamoto has good taste. Oh, there you go. I like it. I like yeah. it. And that Satoshi Nakamoto is alive and well. Well, so my response to Satoshi was, thanks, Satoshi. You are an inspiration to us all. Smiley face. I had to throw a smiley face in there. From Lidge and John at Bitcoins and Gravy. And I think I should have said from everyone in the Bitcoin community, in fact. Absolutely, man. Thanks, Satoshi, from all of us. Yes, a shout out to you, Satoshi. Thank you very much for starting this whole thing. Absolutely. Gotta love that Satoshi. All 
right. Well, we're super excited on today's show to have Alan Walker with us from CoinsCPA.com. Alan, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, Alan, you sort of reached out to us through our Howdy at Bitcoins and Gravy email address the other day and introduced yourself. And you have a pretty fantastic new site and a new product to offer. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing there? Great. Yeah. So CoinCPA really was founded by my partner and I because we found that we couldn't keep track of all the different cryptocurrencies we had. We both invest and we both mine and we've got exchange accounts and we've got mining accounts. And so we created a service where you can enter in all of your public addresses, all of your exchange accounts and all of your mining pools, and it'll show you the US dollar value for all your different coins. Uh, so it's, it's really useful. I think a lot of us are participating in, in a bunch of different cryptocurrencies, and nobody really knows what the end result's going to be. And a lot of people are having a hard time tracking it in spreadsheets. So we came up with this service that allows you to see all of it in one dashboard. Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. You know, I took a look at it, and I was able to get myself signed up on it. It is a pretty great way to view stuff. I mean, for example, I got my Coinbase account hooked right up to it. I got my Cripsy account hooked up to it, both using the API protocol. And then um, I was able to put in a couple of different addresses. In fact, for our last show, I created a tipping address or a donation address to help a local school here, the Montessori East School, as part of donating and also making purchases of the Spring is an Amazing Thing song that we, we put on the last show. And so I was able to put in that wall address and see what the balance was there and everything. And it's a very cool way to see everything right in front of you. I was doing it through a web portal, through the browser. Is that the intended way for people to use it? Or is there, are you anticipating having a, an iPhone app or an Android app or anything like that? You know, we thought about that quite a bit. And with the problems that people are having in the App Store for Apple, um, what we decided to do is there's actually an auto login link that we've got inside the settings. And that allows you to create a bookmark on your home screen on either Android or iPhone. So it, it behaves much like an app. We've got it um, working so that it'll look really good on an iPhone and an Android. Um, but, but I think for now, we're just going to stick to having something web-based. So uh, as far as the tech side of this, who's the tech guy, you or your business partner? So my business partner's name is Tron Black. He's the main developer. And then my focus has been business development. So what's your background? How'd you get into alt currencies and how'd you get into all of this? So my background's in tech. I came up as a developer. I'm a partnering and development agency right now. And Tron's background is also in software. He had um, two successful software companies that he's exited from. And I'm actually the Bitcoin meetup organizer for Salt Lake City. Uh, so that's how I kind of got into it. I got bit by the bug. I think that happens to a lot of us where we just kind of learn about it a little bit and then we can't get enough of it. And that was my experience and that was Tron's experience as well. Oh, nice. So you've been into alt currencies for a while, I guess, right? Yeah, about a year and a half, which in Bitcoin time seems like <laughs> a really long time. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what's the Bitcoin community like in Salt Lake City? You know, it's pretty dynamic. We've got about 150 members of the Bitcoin meetup. Of those, about 20 to 30 show up on a regular basis. And there's a lot of activity here. There's a lot of developers. Um, Overstock.com is in Salt Lake. So we had the chairman of the board come and speak to us last month and kind of talk about their experience with Bitcoin and what's been going on there. So there's a lot going on here. Cool. Well, you know, Salt Lake City is like the original blockchain, right? Isn't the, uh, the Mormon Tabernacle is the home of the greatest genealogical... Yeah, they do have the family history library there. Family history library, yeah. They do, yeah, yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, they, they like to track things here. That's right, it's the genealogical epicenter of the world. Yes, there you go. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, right on, man. So, okay, let me let me jump back to CoinCPA one more time. So, if you have the auto log on, you can create a link to your homepage on your Android or on your iPhone. Rather than opening an app, you just click on that icon and it'll open up the browser and take you straight to your site. Is that the way that works? Exactly, yeah. So, you don't have to log in every time. You can just click that button and you'll go straight in. So we're trying to have something that acts much like an app, but isn't actually having to deal with any of the app store stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then who do you see as being the typical user of CoinCPA? You know, right now what we're seeing is it's primarily people similar to Tron and I. So it's people that are really interested in cryptocurrencies and probably have been an early adopter. What we're starting to see with some of the account signups is more and more people that only have one or two different cryptocurrencies are signing up. So I'm seeing a lot of parity between Bitcoin and Dogecoin. A lot of the accounts that are coming in right now are, are just those two. And to me, that says that those are maybe more casual users that are just trying to track you know, those two currencies. So uh, the IRS ruling, has that changed what you guys are doing at all? You know, not really. I think the IRS ruling actually helped us because it proved the value and the need for something like CoinCPA. So right now we only track balances, but our next phase is to start tracking cost basis so that we can actually produce some of the reporting. My partner Tron is a libertarian and 
you know, he always says if people choose to pay their taxes, then they can use CoinCPA for that. And if they don't, if they just want the reporting, you know, a lot of people just want to understand what their investment's worth. Hey, right. Alan, I just have to jump in here and point out that, of course, Tron is a libertarian, right? The original <laughs> Tron was was escaping from, I don't even remember what it was called right now, the, the, the grid, the, the master grid or whatever. That's, anyone? That's great. Anyone? I, I wanted to ask you, I was like, is your partner's name really Tron? That's fantastic. I know. The great thing is, is that he was born before the movie came out. So he's that hip that he wow. was Tron before Tron was cool. So he's the original Tron, actually. He's the original Tron. Wow. Yeah. And I have to know, does he ride to work every day on a motorcycle that leaves a light trail <laughs> down the highway? <laughs> I think oh, in man. his imagination, yes. <laughs> nice, nice. That's cool, man. Well, all right. So wonderful. So you guys have created this app to bring together all these different wallet addresses and balances. And while it might not do cost basis and selling price yet, that's in the future for it. It's in the pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the other things that we really are focusing on is the API for developers. So we have a full API that lets you access all of this information. If you want to just integrate it in with your applications, people can do that. And so we've been talking to a lot of uh, software developers that are building applications and they don't want to have to worry about checking their balances. They don't want to have to worry about connecting to different blockchains. So they're starting to use our application for that. So we integrate really well into other people's software. As you guys have consulted other people for the tech side of it, have you guys consulted any CPAs for the actual accounting side of it? Yeah, I wanted to ask if Coin CPA is planning to be able to educate my physical CPA here in Nashville when it comes tax time. Nice, good question. Yeah, so um, we have a CPA advisory board that we've been talking with. And right now, we don't have any education plans. Um, what we're focusing on really is delivering a service and uh, and documentation. But I did meet someone in uh, at the New York conference that's doing that in Southern California. And so I reached out to him to see if maybe he wants to partner up to provide that. Because, you know, for us, it's, it's not just about tracking the currency. It's also about bringing more people into using cryptocurrency and making it easy. So you know, the more we can explain it to people, the better we think we'll be off. Yeah, I think so. You know, this seems like a golden opportunity here at the beginning beginning, the dawn of the age of digital currencies for a CPA to jump in and be the altcoin and Bitcoin CPA for, you know, lots of people make lots of money, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, so Alan, I love this. I feel, for example, I don't know if it's a direct connect, but on one of our previous shows, John and I specifically said on the show, it sounded like an opportunity for somebody to create an app that would help calculate the basis of a purchase of Bitcoin and then the sale price mm-hmm. to deal with the new IRS guidelines. And then we receive an email from you and CoinCPA and you've done just that. So nice. congratulations <laughs> to you. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, if it, I, I'm willing to say that you guys inspired us. If that helps. Wow, well, that's great. I don't know. I can hardly believe that. It must have taken you longer than between our last show and now to come up with it. Now, do you mean when you say uh, you guys, are you referring to just me or, or me and Lidge? <laughs> Both of you. Oh, okay. oh I thought he meant that's the fine. royal we, like me, Lidge and Lidge. <laughs> I thought you were referring to me, myself, and I. No, that's great, man. This is exciting stuff. Okay, Alan, yeah, thank you. let me ask you a little bit about your business model there. I noticed that you have created a subscription service for this as opposed to, say, for example, a, you know, a downloadable one-time purchase price for an app, right. and you have mm-hmm. three different tiers. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and, and how, how, the, how your model works in, in the world of Bitcoin? Sure. So um, anybody can create a free account for up to five addresses uh, and one exchange and one mining pool. So if you just want to try the service out, you can do that for free. Uh, If you want to have unlimited uh, addresses, public addresses, all the currencies, all the exchanges, then there is a monthly fee. And we broke it down. So it's $4.99 a month if you pay monthly, $3.99 a month if you pay every quarter, and it's $2.99 a month if you pay once a year. So the reason we want to do that versus a one-time fee is we're constantly adding new coins. We're constantly adding new exchanges. And so I think the offering is just going to keep getting better and better. Yeah, okay. And then I wanted to ask you, it seems obvious that your user base might be a consumer that wants to keep track of wallet addresses. But then when you bring up this API feature and you're trying to allow CoinCPA to be a resource for app developers, then it sounds a little bit more like a B2B business model. And I suppose as you upgrade past the five wallet addresses and you get far more complex, then that's going to make great sense for app developers and other businesses that want to team up with CoinCPA. Yeah, absolutely. So the the good thing is, is once you've got a premium account, if you want to manually just track your whole business uh, inside CoinCPA, you can easily do that. What we're hoping to do is integrate more with existing reporting software and existing accounting software where they can just use our service to help the people see all of their value within their own software. 
Well, that sounds great. And let's make sure that our listeners understand we're talking $3.99 or $399. Oh, $3.99. Oh, $3. Yeah. That's pretty that's pretty cheap. That's pretty reasonable, man. Yeah, that sounds like a great service. Kind of like a Netflix approach, right? Like it's not so much that you think it's crazy, but it brings a lot of value. Right. Now, what about paying that $3.99 with Bitcoins or with Dogecoins? Is that possible? So right now we integrate with Coinbase. We're actually on the Coinbase app store um, and we accept payment in Bitcoin through Coinbase. So that's currently our only way of accepting payment. And what we're hoping to do is once other payment processors come on board with other currencies, then we're going to start accepting currencies there as well. And how did you decide to use Coinbase instead of uh, one of the other payment processors like uh, BitPay? I've used Coinbase since almost the beginning, and I find that their interface is very easy to use. And that's actually who I send people to when they ask me about Bitcoin. And they had a hackathon last, uh, I think, two months ago. And so we entered their hackathon with this payment payment module. And their site is so easy to use and it's so easy to integrate with. BitPay is great, but BitPay, I think, is for maybe bigger companies. I see. Um, and it didn't seem like it was worth it for us to pursue that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I probably did see CoinCPA listed in the hackathon listing of apps. And uh, it's great that you reached out to us and got on the show. Did you guys do pretty well in the hackathon? Uh, we did well. I mean, they only announced kind of the top five, and uh, unfortunately, we didn't make the top five. But, you know, I, I was happy that we participated. And being on the App Store, the traffic we get from the Coinbase App Store is fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of people that use that App Store. So Yeah, it's very cool. So you were talking about some of these apps that might link in with the CoinCPA API. And one of them was a suggestion for a donation thermometer, which I thought sounded like such a great, simple idea, concept. For example, on the last show, uh, you know, I put out a call to people to help raise money for Montessori East School through some Bitcoin donations. And uh, therefore, if I was able to create a simple Bitcoin thermometer app and link it to CoinCPA and then link that to the wallet address, it'd be really easy to see how many donations were coming in and people could view that publicly. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, we're working on a widget that can be placed on any website that allows you to check your addresses for these hundred coins. So it really wouldn't be a far stretch to be able to just statically say, I'll always show the balance of this one address. Within that, we're hoping to come out with that widget sometime in June. Oh, that's very exciting. Oh. That's great. Hey, also, you had mentioned a CPA that you guys are talking with. Uh, do you think you could link us up with that CPA at some point? We could maybe interview them for the show at some point down the road? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually haven't heard back from them yet. Okay. So um, once I once I hear back, I'm happy to forward that on to you right now. I, d- I just sent an email maybe a week or so ago and just haven't heard anything back. Okay. Uh, Alan, we, we interviewed a guy who's essentially acting as a Bitcoin CPA out in uh, California, and we'd be happy to connect you guys too if you hadn't heard that show. Hey, that'd already. be great. You sure he wasn't a Bitcoin tax attorney? It might, oh, tax attorney, yeah. But its I don't know if that still might be helpful to sure, connect sure. you guys. Is that, is that Bob Derber by chance? No. No, no, it wasn't. No, but, okay. but it sounds like we should know Bob Derber, so that's a good start. Yeah, yeah. Bob Derber actually is a tax attorney, and he's been working with um, blockchain.info um, and uh, a couple other bigger players. He's actually based here in Salt Lake. I'm happy to pass his info on to you if you guys would like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I, okay. I have one more question that I can interject back into the interview. When using CoinCPA, I, for example, I added my Cryptsy account on there. And my, I was curious, what happens, you know, Cryptsy has so many currencies on it, and you might be trading in and out of things, and you might one day have a balance and the next day have a zero balance, depending on buy and sell orders. How is CoinCPA going to keep track of that? Will it show me zero balances and things? Do you intend to show transaction history? So yes, we absolutely do intend to show that. So um, we will refresh the account um, for your exchange every time you log in. Um, so we'll get the most recent changes to your account and, and have that displayed. One of the things that we don't do yet is if we don't have blockchain support for a currency, we don't show it. So there may be currencies on Cryptsy that aren't showing up in CoinCPA yet. And that's really because we we want to make sure that if we can support an exchange currency, we can also support it if somebody puts in a public address. And we're going to start with transactions with Coinbase. So Coinbase does a great job at making sure that you can track all that stuff. So we're going to start with Coinbase and then we're going to move to Cryptsy and BTCE and really any other exchange that has the API capability to give us that information. I see. Now, how would you know that I had just logged into my Cryptsy account if I had one? Oh, no, sorry. Uh, when you log into CoinCPA, when you log into CoinCPA, it'll go out and fetch the most recent information from your APIs. I see. Got it. Yeah. And can you explain that for our listeners who might not understand the concept of an API, how that works? Sure, absolutely. So within each of the exchanges, there's a section where you can basically grant access to other applications to see that data. And what we always strongly suggest is that you only give read access. We don't want to have write access to anyone's account. Essentially, that's just giving us permission. So you, there's a little key that they give you. You put it into your account on CoinCPA. And then we can just pull that data out of your Cryptsy or your Coinbase or whatever exchange account you have. Okay. And what does API stand for again? Application Programmer Interface. Very nerdy. (laughs) 
<laughs> very, yeah, very nerdy, simple stuff. It's always something simple like that. So for our listeners, when I went to CoinCPA and went through this API process, I was able to figure it out. It was a little bit complex for me. You know, I'm new to this and, uh, you know, with a late night brain going on and as I was trying to connect this stuff, I had to do things a little bit slowly, but I did connect and I will give kudos to CoinCPA because you guys had a great help interface wherein I could just click on a question mark and it would unzip a paragraph explaining exactly how to sign the AP up through Cripsy or through Coinbase. So very well done on your part as far as helping guide people through this process. Very intuitive, very helpful. I thought so too. Oh, thank you. Well, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today on Bitcoins and Gravy. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Can you let our listeners know exactly how to find you and how to follow you and keep up with what's going on in CoinCPA? Yep, absolutely. So you can go to CoinCPA.com or you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at CoinCPA. Nice. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great hearing about CoinCPA and uh, we're excited, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alan. And if our listeners would like to learn more, they can also come to Bitcoins and Gravy episode 15 for show notes and find out more about about CoinCPA there and find links to your site and to your Twitter. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon, Alan. Uh-huh. Take care. Bye. Safe travels to you, man. Thank you. Bye. to thank our guests Joseph Satoli of Solar Coin Project and Alan Walker of CoinCPA.com. We would also like to give a special thank you to one of our sponsors on the show, Mike Tech, the Nashville company that has provided our microphones. We've been using the fabulous PM9 microphone for our podcast since day one and owe our award-winning sound to Mike Tech. To find out more about our guests and sponsors, visit our show notes at bitcoinsandgravy.com slash episode 15. Thank you very much for listening. We greatly appreciate your time and attention. And please remember to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, and we'll see you here next week. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call us at 615-208-5198 and leave a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. And if you give us permission, we will put you on the show. So call the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline at 615-208-5198. That's right. That's the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. And of course, you can download all the podcasts from letstalkbitcoin.com directly from iTunes or by going to bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and leave a review or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Let us know what you like or where we can improve. And remember, it's your reviews that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great shows on the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast network. And it's your generous tips that allow us to create the shows. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lyd Shaw. And you've been listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee.